Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Taz and Paula. Well, good morning, everyone. We have such a delightful guest. It's Stefan Olson, is the director producer of Global Spirit, a new internal travel TV series that debuts debuts on PBS public television stations and the internet. It's an inquiry into humankind's belief systems wisdom, traditions, and state of consciousness. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Now, Global Spirit explores the essential perennial human question. Who are we? Why are we here? And how does life fit together? What does it all mean? From the ancient or indigenous wisdom traditions to the latest advances in scientific knowledge. Hmm. Let us share some of the topics on this PBS series that include the spiritual quest, forgiveness and healing, music, sound and the sacred, the journey towards oneness, exploring consciousness east and west, the mystical experience, and much more. Wow, Paula, stepping one's life into any of these areas can only mean one thing, and that is you've allowed your heart to really experience and be captured by the love that is omitted by our universe. Paula, tell us some more. Oh, well, Taz, some of the fabulous interviewees include in these undertakings were Deepak Chopra, Robert Thurman, Karen Armstrong, Peter Russell, and many, many more. And Stephen has also produced and directed documentary films, television series throughout the world for U.S. and European broadcasters. His work has won numerous national and international awards, including the National Emmy Award for Outstanding Director, the DuPont Columbia Award for Excellence in Broadcast Journalism, and the George Foster Peabody Award. Well, Stephen, this is quite a journey you've been on, and I know your journey is going to keep on going. We thank you for being with us today. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. (laughs) Well, um, it's really uh, auspicious for us to have you on today because Taz and I have been working very hard to um, have our radio show actually say the same thing that your TV series is saying, and it's just like it hit home and it hit our heart. So we were just so happy to have you 
to explain to us how all of this journey started. Uh, actually, Global Spirit is on the uh, TV link, linktv.org. Is that correct? Uh, it has been showing on Link TV uh, over the last year and a half. It's now been remastered in high definition with new uh, introductions by John Cleese, the British comedian and actor. Um, and the series has been released on public television stations uh, starting about a month ago uh, in different uh, areas throughout the country. I think we're in 125 uh, communities uh, at the moment and growing. Um, it's also available. Uh, segments from the series are also available on our website, globalspirit.tv. And um, hopefully uh, your listeners can tune in because it is television, and that is uh, somewhat different than radio. Um, there's a visual component. Uh, my background is as a filmmaker, a uh, documentary filmmaker, and so uh, what we're trying to do here is let film do what it does best, that is create an experience of a topic, oneness, sacred music, forgiveness, and so on, and take viewers into that topic in an experiential way, and then come back to our studio uh, where our host, Phil Cousineau, uh, let's conversation do what it does best. Delve into an issue, explore it from different perspectives, different uh, religious or faith perspectives, um, from the perspective of modern science, from an indigenous people's perspective, since we've had a few shows uh, featuring indigenous people and indigenous cosmologies. Um, so it's a kind of mix of uh, film and deep discussion. Mm. Well, that's uh, needed. <laughs> Go ahead, Taz. Well, yeah, Steph, I was just, you know, when you think about being around people and and uh, creating this um, understanding, like we really are all one. And I was talking with Paula yesterday, and, and just being able to listen to your heart. Um, people don't stop long enough to listen to their heart. They're all you know, pushing forward and not much time for anything. But when when people really begin to experience that, their you know, the simplicity, the heartbeat of, of of they themselves and being able to take out time and being able to experience the heartbeat of the family member or their dear ones or someone close to them. Um, you know, it's just it's stopping long enough to interweave with life. And um, are you able to show this on your program? And mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned the heartbeat. I mean, we have one program uh, called The Shaman, the Spirit Healer, and the Earth, where we feature uh, an Eskimo shaman, uh, Uncle Ananak. And he, part of his uh, practice is playing the drum, uh, which he calls the heartbeat of mankind. And uh, it's a very powerful uh, indigenous integration of um, the ancient sound of the drum as the human heart. And he actually 
you know, uses that and leads people into uh, healing situations with his drum. And uh, it's a very interesting program. It's called The Shaman, the Spirit Healer, and the Earth. And uh, again, you could see segments of that show right now on uh, our website, globalspirit.tv. Oh, great. So, are, uh, and are these segments going to be on, uh, are all of them are going to be on PBS, or you've just... Yeah, the segments are part of the overall one-hour program, and they will be, of course, broadcast on PBS. They are also available um, as DVDs, you know, through our website. Sometimes people want to, you know, own these programs. There is a sort of eternal dimension to these stories and um, they are wonderful gifts I think particularly uh, particularly some of the programs that focus on healing you know people often have someone in mind who they think really should see this or hear this or get the benefit from a very in this case you know a very unique situation flying this shaman from Greenland first of all to find an authentic oh. shaman who actually speaks English <laughs> um, <laughs> is not easy, believe me. We, um, there are many people who are experts in shamanism, and there are many Western shamans, uh, accomplished Western shamans. Um, in this case, we were looking for an indigenous person, an elder. And so often, uh, whether you're looking for a shaman or in the case of our Aboriginal, we did a program called Dreams, Visions, and Realities, which features the Aboriginal kind of dream time and the Aboriginal cosmology, how dreams are so, and the, the dreaming is so much a part of their um, origin stories. And there, too, finding an Aboriginal elder who has the experience and the local reputation who's willing to travel, able to travel, and speaks English. Um, I mean, he speaks English, you know, to the point where people can actually understand him in, in the West. Is, uh, has been a challenge, and I'm really happy with, with, I don't know why I'm thinking of it now, maybe it's because you were talking about the heartbeat. Um, I'm really happy with the five or six programs we've done that uh, include indigenous guests. They so, They have so much to offer and uh, their ways of looking at the world are often so different than those coming from the Abrahamic faiths. Well, oh, you've just given yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> oh, Paul, let me just, let me just, um, I thought it was just pretty amazing because, um, you know, we have all these languages, like you say, you can't understand certain people and and um, our languages are all different, but, you know, the heart's the same. <laughs> it still has this wonderful vibration that, you know, can go out to people, and it's the same. We all have that heartbeat, you know. Absolutely. That, that Absolutely. So the program we did, did, uh, have done called uh, The Journey Towards Oneness, um, we feature uh, a Nashbandi Sufi named Llewellyn Von Lee, and he speaks a lot about the heart, um, and the oneness of the heart. Um, we brought him together with a um, Indian physicist, Dr. Ravi Ravindra, and um, this very topic, you know, the oneness of the heart and the heartbeat, uh, is something they they have the great joy in discovering in each other. A very um, 
different reflection on the same truth. This just gives me chills. I mean, this is exactly what we need right now, and this is perfect. And if people can realize that we all have the same heartbeat, it would I mean, there'd be more peace in the world, more love, and you're getting it out there. I mean, it's it's wonderful that what you're doing. Thank you. So in the well, it's something really that's kind of I'm not doing it. It's there, and it's just kind of passing through us as a team. You know, uh, we are the only thing we're creating is is a kind of channel. for these kinds of messages and for these kind of extraordinary spiritual teachers to bring them together and see what happens spontaneously as they meet each other. It's a very different experience. Conversation is a very different experience, uh, as you know, than having just one-on-one interviews with people. When you bring two people or three people together for a conversation, um, things happen. Uh, Things happen. Buttons are pushed that have not been pushed, you know, as someone comes off of a a writer's tour with a recent book or so on, you know, they have their thing pretty much um, arranged and thought through. Uh, Something happens, though, when you bring two people together who inspire each other, and watching that inspiration happen on camera is um, what we call sometimes a kind of magic moment that... uh, it can't be scripted. It just happens. And it's wonderfully exciting to watch people like a Bob Thurman or a Karen Armstrong actually formulate a new idea on camera. Um, that, as a producer director, gives me chills. Uh, and I think we have that uh, throughout the series. Well, you give them the space to be able to do that. So, um, and that all television gives the space. So, I mean, this is... Yeah. Um, my, do you think that the, our core beliefs are being pushed? Or you were talking about buttons being pushed. Do you think our um, people as a whole, their core beliefs are being pushed to, like, shift? Well, change is, you know, the nature of the universe, I think. And... Um, I, um, I'm watching, you know, research and just reading this morning uh, research about core beliefs changing um, the the shift in certain countries away from organized religion. Um, I was reading about Ireland this morning and uh, how such a large percentage of Irish people have now uh, so totally dissociated themselves with um, the Catholic Church and have labeled themselves either non-religious or atheist. And um, that is uh, a shift in my mind towards a kind of deeper spiritual search than one has received or, or the uh, that the one has realized within an organized religion. And I think that is happening around the world. And uh, our series is, in a way, underscoring that we are all spiritual beings first, and we have, on that level, uh, everything in common. And looking at the unifying forces and unifying beliefs that people of all faiths have. 
well, because I know, the my... news is full of all the different, you know, the counter story is what we're fed so often uh, on major media news outlets, you know, that these people see world the world differently and the focus on conflict and differences, you know, uh, what was the expression, sells newspapers, you know, was what people used to say in the 20th century. Um, it sells it sells television, it sells the internet, and uh, I'm not saying we're just doing good stories here, uh, we're actually just going deeper to reveal a deeper truth, I think, that's that's present. Well, you call it internal, an internal TV series. So, I mean, that's looking internally as, uh, like, not everybody's going to feel that internal feeling on every show that you have, but there's a show, I, what I'm feeling, there's a show for everyone. There's a show for everyone, meaning... I mean, that, not all the shows are for everyone, but they're, I mean, you're pointing out... Oh, there's out. a show uh, within our mix, you know, yeah, I think right. so. Uh-huh. And uh, there's so much that we have presented on the website um, in terms of uh, describing each program, quotes from each guest... Uh, I think people will realize, uh, and people have a natural affinity uh, and curiosity for different topics. Well, well you, you talked when to I was looking through your website, I really got excited. I saw something, Stefan, that, that um, I think it was, it's so important to share with our listeners. And there was a, there was a question... I forget exactly where I got it, but what does it mean to stand outside yourself? And I, I, um, you know, um, a few years back, my son was um, having problems with the family and everything, and I said, why don't you stand back, like as if you were God, just peering into the situation and don't get involved in the aspect, just view what's going on. And... Um, and when I um, saw this question, I thought to myself that it's so powerful in that, you know, when we get right into the mix on what's going in um, into a conversation, we might become more emotionally involved and might not be able to see everything. So to stand outside yourself, I thought that was just so incredible. Would you speak to this? Well, it's a translation of the Greek word ecstasis, which is where we get the word ecstasy. And um, that question was posed uh, in a program which we call In Search of Ecstasy, uh, which is really about the ecstatic experience and standing outside oneself. um, The way I interpret that is, you know, the focus is on what you consider yourself to be. And uh, to stand outside of that enables you to see things differently, obviously. And uh, and the ecstatic experience, whether it's as we feature the whirling dervishes of Turkey and uh, our other guest is Subantu Somay, who's a Dagara teacher from West Africa. So she talks about the trance uh, and spirit possession and uh, in all of these cases, uh, one stands outside that self that one has 
so comfortable with and familiar with um, in order to grow, <laughs> in order to reach a state uh, called the ecstatic. And um, it's an orientation, you know, it's a, it's an orientation, for example, uh, within Sufism there are schools like the Rumi Meblevi school that are ecstatic, and there are schools that are more sober. And um, in some ways it's uh, it marks a kind of willingness of a person to actually attempt to stand outside themselves. And the way that has been done historically, you know, through ritual, through chanting, through music, uh, through drugs, you know, um, various means to help people stand outside themselves, if only for a moment. I mean, it's a it's not an easy place to live, <laughs> but as I think the program, you know, offers, you know, it's a wonderful place to visit. Um, anyway, well, as you were talking, as you were talking, yeah. I wondered if when you go through a near-death experience, if that's actually what's happening when you're Absolutely. Through... Absolutely, so. and we are, we're planning a program called Crossing the Great Divide, uh, which deals precisely with this um, the potential for transformation through death and understanding what that means um, before we die in a sense that we can apply it to our to our daily lives rather than waiting into waiting until our last moment and um, that's right and you know just to say that uh, these programs are all conceived of and um, we raise funds to produce each one individually. We tend to find foundations or individuals who are particularly interested in a theme. And um, we were very happy that the Fetzer Institute, uh, whose uh, interest is love and forgiveness, um, decided to uh, fund this program on, on, on death and dying, what we call crossing the great divide to really look at the presence of love and forgiveness at that critical time. And do you feel as though um, this program would help people not fear death as, as much? I mean, there's a fear around death, and I think if... Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we are addressing that uh, very thing, you know. Uh, what do people fear uh, when it comes right down to it? Uh, you know, they they fear that it's gonna it's gonna hurt. You know, uh, although many much of our Western medicine has sort of removed that fear as a, as a primary fear, um, but uh, they fear the loss. They'll be abandoned. You know, they'll be alone somewhere. Um, but I think finally, I, I think where the richest vein for us will be is, is uh, featuring um, people who work with the dying who say that all the ways I've defined myself now are going to be stripped away by this process, the dying process. So now what? And uh, so who am I? Who will I be? And um, one's ability to ask that question and re redefine that question um, 
is is what our program will be dealing with. So I would think that the people are working with the dying, they're learning something new every day. That's it. That's exactly true. Working with the dying or people, anyone who's been close to a loved one as they passed uh, has learned something. And uh, what this program is saying, you know, yes, it's bringing uh, Frank Otaseski, who is the founder of the Zen Hospice Movement, uh, together with uh, Therese Schroeder-Shecker, who is a harpist who brings music into the dying process. And um, these two guests have been with hundreds of dying people and have learned a great deal that is so useful and helpful to the rest of us. What a gift. Yeah. Maybe listening to the heart. I mean, listening to the person's heart um, when they're when they're dying. I mean, it's just their the words. Their you know the vibration of uh, love comes through so strongly and so differently. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you come back to the heart again because it reminds me uh, we uh, we are doing this upcoming program on Jalaluddin Rumi, the Persian poet, and he's very much of a teacher of the, the heart. And we also have a website called onethroughlove.org, um, which features different Rumi scholars and practitioners. And it's very much about love and the unity of 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 love and the heart, and uh, one of the things I've started doing with interviewees is actually recording their hearts, their heartbeat. Mm. And uh, uh, there's a film coming with all of this that will incorporate heartbeats of different speakers. Um, and uh, anyway, there's a lot of interesting discussion of the heart there. Uh, the one through love. Well, it's interesting because the last several guests that we've had on our show is dealing with the heart, and that's what has um, made Taz and I think about, well, maybe we should just wrap ourselves around this idea. We've had the heart math people on, and I mean, it just went on and on and on, and so the heart topic keeps popping and coming right into our face. So that's, yeah. we we were discussing that maybe possibly that's where we're, the direction we're supposed to be headed. Well, there's, I think, 15 or 16 wonderful teachers uh, of the heart on the uh, onethroughlove.org project. By the way, that project is also... Um, an international multilingual project. It's not just in English, but it's also in Persian, Arabic, and Turkish. So all these segments are going out to the whole world um, with different language subtitles. And it's really bringing people together around this heart practice. I think eons ago, people like the indigenous um, people our Aboriginal and all these people, they they knew how to spend time alone. They knew they knew how to listen. They knew 
I mean, you know, this is like where we're going back to learning how to take time out, learning how to really care and listen to those around us. Yeah. That's harder to do now because we have so much around us where the indigenous people were out in the middle of nowhere sometimes alone, and we don't have that privilege. Mm -hmm. That's right. The whole notion of time out is, of course, you know, a Western notion depending on having a full schedule, you know, and from an Aboriginal point of view, time is seen so differently. So I don't think they would even conceive of time out. You know, uh, I guess it's become a big comment of parents to kids now, right? It's time out time, which again has its own (laughs) meaning. Um, But uh, stepping into these indigenous worlds and thinking about time, it's of course um, earth-based and seasonal rather than chronological. And uh, just thinking about how we've become so kind of chronos oriented, you know, uh, and how it's all um, become kind of so mathematical and uh, asking questions like, is that, does that really serve, you know, who I am? I mean, it's useful, uh, but where does it start and stop? And uh, it's only until you step into another cultural tradition that you can question your own in a new way because your assumptions are kind of exposed. And we don't do that in any kind of pedagogical way or, you know, so on. It just comes out in the conversation. Um, but it's a revelation for us, too, those of us who are working on these programs. We talk about this stuff over lunch and all of our assumptions that we never think about until we really meet, you know, the other. Someone from another cosmology, another system. As your life, imagine the indigenous people popping into a part of our world, it'd probably go crazy. <laughs> but has yeah. your um, philosophy or um, way of thinking changed since you started this series? You know, I think I've just been more. Um, I'm not sure if it's changed. Uh, it's perhaps evolved to include uh, other teachings that I knew much less about, and I would say particularly indigenous uh, wisdom. I didn't know that much about uh, indigenous cosmologies, and spending time, we usually have our guests come to San Francisco, so we usually have a dinner with them before the evening before, and you know, pick them up in the morning and spend a few days with them, and you kind of come into the beat of their heartbeats, and here you are walking around in your familiar terrain, you know, but with a guest who's not from another planet, at least from another dimension of this planet, and um, that's really expanded my concept of humanity. As you say, to mention, um, I realize that shamans and elders, they do work in another dimension. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 
And that we're actually able to present a program on a shaman, you know, in on national public television. They're just very pleased that the uh, shamanic um, teachings are actually now available to, you know, um, a general American audience. And we're finding people, I mean, the email responses we're getting from viewers around the country are extraordinary. We're in 70% of U.S. households, so that means that this series, one can see Global Spirit, uh, 70% of the U.S. Uh, and to find out if it is available in your locale, uh, I'm telling people to go to our website, globalspirit.tv, and look at the PBS broadcast schedule. And it's all listed by state and by uh, you know, uh, by local area within each state. And can we go, I mean, if you don't see it on our particular PBS, um, would you recommend us asking them to... um, You can call your PBS station and ask them if they're planning to air it. Um, Tell them you're interested and uh, encourage them to do so. And if nothing else, you know, uh, you can... You can order any of the programs from our website. It's, we're a nonprofit organization, so it's a, a donation um, per DVD. So we have all—I think we have 14 of them available there. Well, I work in a dream. Global Spirit. One word: Global Spirit. TV. TV. Oh, TV like TV, right? Like television. Okay, thanks. All right. Um, well, I know one one uh, DVD I'm going to order because I I work with a dream group. I mean, we uh, work with our dreams oh, and yeah. the mm-hmm. and the uh, Aborigine and working with Dream Time just sounds fabulous. Oh yeah, it's it's a very rich program, uh, and uh, I guarantee you you'll be taken to some place that you've never quite been before. (laughs) He's also, at the end of the program, he plays the didgeridoo, uh, you know, that instrument. Um, And it really sounds like it's coming from another dimension. Uh, Stephen, can you please please share with us, maybe, how you popped into doing this kind of material? Was there a special um, segment in your life that this this took place, or how did you get going on this? Well, um, I did graduate studies in anthropology, so I was very interested in culture and uh, linguistics and meaning and um, religion, of course, as uh, as something which... uh, is so influential in in the cultural process, and um, I was myself uh, raised uh, Catholic and was uh, involved as an altar boy, you know, doing the the old mass in Latin and uh, being very kind of close to the ritualistic elements of that, and um, something of that stayed with me as I started exploring other religions and uh then with you know filmmaking skills um evolving i just gradually shifted from looking at the cultural process to looking more at cosmologies and 
faith in the spiritual process because it really was attracting me how similar it was. You know, the more I learned about Islam, for example, the more I realized how similar it was to Christianity and Judaism. You know, we were told how different we all are, but you know, so that just it all kind of started pointing in a direction of uh raising awareness of different peoples. That's what anthropologists often do. And then uh, I just gradually took that into awareness of different faiths and um, cosmologies and um, tried to integrate all that in a way that was uh, contributing. Well, with today's technology, um, it makes it much easier to get it out there to the public, make global awareness. Absolutely. I mean, we have short video segments on our website that people can forward to friends, little three to five minute um, experiences of a guest or film material. And it's just amazing to see, you know, and hear how people learned about us. It's all, it's all, uh, the Internet is, is really providing an incredible uh, potential for expanding human consciousness. We have a segment have a on that topic, actually, uh, on our onethroughlove.org uh, website. And uh, Llewellyn Von Lee talks about expanding expansion of consciousness in the Internet age. It's so interesting. And you have chat rooms, you don't you? you? We have chat rooms and uh, on both sides, um, and uh, we respond and we pass on questions to guests, program guests. So there is an interactive dimension to all this. There's a kind of global connection dimension to all this. And it's a real exciting time to be involved with you know, media because we have, until now, been you know, making films. And television has been a great um, message carrier. Uh, but now in this internet age, you know, particularly with young, so many young people who don't watch television, or older people who don't watch television, they're they're finding out about us through Facebook. And I mean, I think our Facebook. What did I hear from uh, one of our team members that we've we've doubled our Facebook membership every week since the series has been on PBS, and I think we have something like 25,000 or 30,000 this week. And um, it's wonderful to watch this grow. And it's a kind of uh, viral extension of spiritual ideals. <laughs> what a great what a great tool the Internet is. Yeah. Yes. And you guys are going out on the Internet, right? Yes, we are. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Out of all of this, is there one particular guest that blew you away or just, uh, I don't know, was mind-boggling to you? Because you've got so many great guests, but is there one that stands out to you? Hmm. Oh. (laughs) Or maybe one story. You know, I'm thinking of, um, we did a program called Earth Wisdom for World in Crisis, and 
it's going out and it's part of our second season on PBS and there was a, a Native American elder named Orrin Lyons who told us basically how the church in Rome uh, in the 16th, 15th century decided that there were no real human beings living in the new world and that the colonizers uh, should treat this land as if it were uninhabited. And um, the implications of that papal policy for indigenous peoples um, represent a genocide of a scale that I don't think Western people quite realize. And the insight that this very articulate man brings to that period or that era, such a such a mind opener, particularly when you think that these cultures all have distinct languages, uh, cosmologies, um, systems of medicine, healing practices that are proving to be so important to humanity's survival. In fact, these people are the people that know how to live sustainable lives and have developed the techniques on how to live sustainable lives. And uh, I just somehow think of um, think of that program and Orrin Lyons and um, somehow hoping that uh, there's a consciousness-raising moment. I mean, for me, at least, and for many people who have seen it. But, you know, there have been so many. I mean, listening to Bob Thurman talk about Buddhism uh, or about compassion, you know, and uh, having him compare notes with Karen Armstrong on the subject of compassion uh, shortly after she won that TED Award yeah, is just a... Um, I've learned... I learned something about compassion you know these are scholars these are authors uh, but what keen minds they have and uh, how articulate they are and what they bring to a discussion of compassion or any of the topics that they brought up that's an amazing program and that's why we started the series with that program called the spiritual quest because both of them had a very personal uh, spiritual quest that led them to where they are now. Um, that's a that's a very deep program and a very good place to begin. You know the the series. It's such a simple message, but to the Western world, it's complicated. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. It's very complicated. Our minds are so complicated, and uh, anyone who um, embarks on a kind of spiritual path realizes how the mind creates all these distinctions and all these boxes and really creates a lot of complication. Again, hanging out with indigenous people often is such a refreshing uh, experience because um, they see one they see the oneness of it all and, and often live the oneness of it all. And um, it's very simple and it's very profound. Well, it's like making time stand still. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, it's like Stefan said, um, 
their time is different than ours. <laughs> yeah. Reinventing our whole notion of time. But when you go there, it's, you know, again, you get in touch with a quietness and a, and a resonance within your own body and the people that are around you. It's really different. Um, and it's really beautiful. Where you, um, I'm going to ask you again, where did you um, have Karen Armstrong and... Um, I forgot Bob's Bob Thurman? Uh, which program? Yeah. Oh, the program is called The Spiritual Quest, and uh, mm-hmm. there are segments from that program on our website, uh, Global Spirit TV. Also, I've been writing a weekly um, blog for the Huffington Post, and so if you, in the religion uh, section, you can search my name, Stephen, with a P-H-E-N and Olson, O-L-S-S-O-N, or um, search Global Spirit. There's short article and different video segments from every show that are presented there. So I highly recommend that to interested listeners. Well, Huffington Post has uh, really been good uh, for allowing people to know things outside the box. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that we are um, shifting and changing in time to, I mean, everybody's saying that the Earth is, uh, we are going to create the Earth to come to an end because we're not treating her right. Do you think we're shifting in time to be able to cor- correct this? Um, well, I uh, I wish I could be more optimistic. Uh, when you look at the growth figures, the human growth figures, when you look at the... I mean, I'm encouraged that China is really moving uh, full speed into creating the usable electric cars because when you think about how many of those single... Family, uh, single child families are going are emerging, and uh, how many of them want mobility, and how many of them need resources? One shudders. Beyond the beyond the toxicity uh, that we've put into our environment, we think about upscaling from six billion to nine billion people in the next twenty years. Uh, it does make you shudder. <laughs> Where? How how clean can we live uh, and not denigrate our planet? Um, but again, I'm just I'm not an expert in any of this. I'm just a I'm just a filmmaker who tells stories and brings people together in television series to create conversations. I'm not really an authority on any of this. Well, stories are the best way to get things out. <laughs> Stories are what make people remember, you know. Stories are what stay with people. Um, And that's been true for thousands of years. We're wired to remember stories. That's how Jesus taught. That's right. Walking and telling stories. So, I mean, stories is the best way to go. 
again, Taz and I were talking about that. <laughs> so, so our little global spirit, you know, coming through the television, you know, I think about Aboriginal peoples <laughs> sitting around fires, <laughs> hearing stories of wisdom from the elders. You know, uh, I like to think of that kind of uh, pulsating burning box as uh, as the campfire. And um, those who are interested, you know, like people from the village who hear certain things being said, you know, come sit down, tune in, and listen. And um, I think we're just doing the same thing that our ancestors did through the campfire and the storytelling. It's really not much different. We have different tools and um, but the process, the human, the human um, capacity for concentration and for remembering reflection, I think, is very, very similar than thousands of years ago. Reflection is a perfect word for that. You know, it's is pretty it interesting when I when I was hearing you talk about how you ha- came from a Catholic background and then you um, went into this area. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe that was just a grounding aspect for making that transition so you could see both sides and oh, yeah. and allowing other people to feel and experience that as well. And I'm thinking your parents, when um, are, if they are alive at this time, what are they experiencing watching you do this? And um, <laughs> Yeah. I have a mother who's still alive. Uh, she's um, just turned 100, and uh, she looks at Global oh. Spirit, and she says, I finally realize what you've been making films about your whole life. You're trying to get oh. people to talk and listen to each other and you know it was so edifying to uh, hear my mom finally getting it in her way she tunes in every week and she talks about (laughs) she's she's my best PR agent really (laughs) you have good genes (laughs) yep she probably is uh, in her, her younger days, they probably told stories too. I mean, well, sure, they told stories, and 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 don't forget the twenties and the early thirties were a great time of uh, of cross fertilization between East and West. You know, uh, uh, the first Sufis came to the West. The first Buddhists started teaching in the West. Uh, Theosophical societies started. Um, there was so much interest. In the 20s and 30s, and she was a part of that era, um, not as a you know a spiritual seeker necessarily, but she witnessed a lot of that, you know. And um, so it wasn't. I mean, the 60s were a phenomenal time here uh, in terms of cross fertilization, but there were forerunners, you know, uh, whole other generations who were who were open to learning um the precepts and the and the and the wisdom from different faiths. Mm-hmm. 
do you run across any fear um in your with your series i mean people that fear uh this message that are in, in from a well uh fear came up i remember the program we did on the mystical experience you know uh we had brother david stendelrost who was a benedictine monk we had rabbi jonathan omermond who is a Jewish rabbi and mystic, and we had Lynn Barron, who is a Sufi mystic, and um, one of the one of the issues that came up was, you know, who who has been um, opposed to people having a mystical experience, uh, and how do religions? What are the counterforces? And so the issue of fundamentalism came up, and the discussion of fear. Um, Brother David, I think, put it so well that um, fundamentalism often, we all have a fundamentalist period in our lives, as I remember him saying, uh, but really uh, as people become more uh, secure and tolerant, they grow into a a kind of less fearful way of encountering the other. Um, But uh, in his opinion, and I agree with him, you know, um, fundamentalism is largely about fear. And so if we really look at fear, you know, and perhaps we'll do that on a upcoming program. You know, we're thinking about doing a program on topics like fear and uh, generosity. And, you know, we did forgiveness. You know, these are, these are so rich. Um, you know, fear is... Fear fear stares us in in the face, and uh, hopefully we have uh, the means to recognize it at least as just a fear, not real. Well, I I know with our uh, economic crisis and uh, how people are fearing what's going to happen, I see more people jumping back into their religion or jumping back into their fundamentalist religion. And I think this is a, a way of feeling secure. So, and what That's exactly right. what you said? Uh, yeah, I remember uh, Brother David told the story that was so interesting. He said, uh, if, "If they've done studies, apparently, of people who have fallen out of planes, and uh, what so often happens is that someone actually holds on to their own wrist." As they're falling, it's as though, you know, the fear needs something to hold on to. Um, as as futile as that is, you know, and um, there we are. It's part of the human condition, isn't it? Sure is. So if we can get out of the the fear box, then we can uh, actually work as as a whole, to help Mother Earth and help our uh, global community, our uh, global friends. So what your series is doing is exactly that. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I'm um, I'm really blessed to be doing this, and um, it's an ongoing uh, challenge to continue to find the the funding to keep it all going uh but it's the joy of the doing of it and the sharing of it um 
is so worth it, and I, and I, I just feel such gratitude to be able to be doing this work and, and giving guests a kind of um, venue or a platform and helping them reach you know, other viewers and listeners. Really fortunate. What I keep seeing in my mind's eye is uh, when you first came on with us this morning as you were talking about the shaman from Greenland, I, I thought, how did he respond to such a large metropolitan San Francisco? Or was he able to? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a funny story. I had him in Sausalito, which is just over the Golden Gate Bridge here, and we were he was calling out to the seals uh, with his drum and uh, showing us how that heartbeat of life uh, tends to attract one seal in a uh, in a seal rookery that one tends to come towards him as he's doing it and in his society that seal is uh, is essentially offering himself to the hunter and um, he speaks about that process which is such a different concept of hunting you know um, and then he was saying you know <laughs> You know, if we could get a kayak, you know, that he could go out there and actually spear the seal, you know. And I'm, you know, not just a vegetarian, but I'm a kind of citizen here, thinking about being (laughs) on a kayak with this Eskimo shaman who's about to harpoon a local seal. No, Uncle, I don't think so. (laughs) That's a wonderful story to end our interview with. Thank you so much for being with us today. We've enjoyed um, the whole story, and we hope that people will tune in to globalspirit.tv and listen to the stories that you've made possible for us to listen to. Thank you so much. Really a pleasure to uh, be on your program. Thank you. And have a wonderful day and beautiful weather in Sausalito. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. okay. I'll have to work on some proposals. <laughs> oh, Thanks. okay. You won't be able to enjoy it. <laughs> I will. Okay. All Thank right. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.